0: Welcome back to the My Life Platform podcast. If there's anything we believe is that when people live purposefully, they live powerfully. Today I'm looking forward to you listening to a conversation I'm having with my other son. You've you've met Matthew on this podcast. My younger son, Andrew, is with us today. Andrew, tell us a couple things about yourself.
1: Well, I'm a college senior. I'm about to graduate here in May with a business management degree. Excited about that, but um I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Is there anything you know about me? It's that I love loving people.
0: Yeah, Andrew's Andrew's good at that. Um, Andrew, so you are a facilitator for the Purpose Mastermind that we do. You help high school seniors walk through it. Talk to us. What are some of the key takeaways or uh, from your experience leading people through that? What have you experienced?
1: I have loved the process personally because I've been able to do it with people that I know, some people that I don't know. And it is truly amazing seeing the light bulbs come on. Um, Probably the simplest way to put it is with the Purpose Mastermind and the content that's covered there and the conversations that happen. I genuinely do not know how it's not a prerequisite to graduating high school. I don't know how these conversations aren't required before someone graduates high school and goes into the workforce or goes into college somewhere.
0: Yeah. Tell us more about that. Can you give an example of one of the conversations that happens and why you think... uh, how, why do you think it's important?
1: Well, it, it's really just the base of what we build our life on. And if you don't have a foundation, you're not going to go anywhere. I know it's something that you talk about. It's just because it's true. I think that um, it, it is counter what we hear as young people from uh, just our society, which generally speaking, we think our purpose is tied to a job or a very specific thing. And even just the question of, well, what happens if you lose that job? Or what happens if, you know, you retire like the American dream wants you to? Does your purpose also retire? Interesting. Even a simple question like that really causes a kid to think. And so uh, there are several conversations like that. And they're not scary conversations. They're conversations that by the end of it, I see people with joy uh, and boldness walking forward. So it's really incredible.
0: I love to hear high school seniors, college students Go through the process. And I've heard this a number of times. After the first meeting, they come back for the second meeting and they say, I feel like a car has been lifted off my chest. Yeah. Because the change in perspective causes really a freedom. I find that many um, high school seniors, college students feel like there is one thing they are supposed to do with their life. And if they don't figure it out, then their life is ruined. Yep. That makes choices very difficult to make, and quite frankly, we end up just not making choices Yeah, because we're afraid. It's as if we're living in a room, and there's four walls, and on those walls, there's a total of 100 doors, and I have to choose the one yeah. <laughs> that is the right door, but if I choose one of the other 99, I've blown it, and uh, my life is going to be painful, and yeah. uh, I will have made the wrong decision. And I just I can't help but to imagine in my head, I imagine someone standing in front of one wall and there's about 25 doors on the wall and they're staring at those doors and studying the doors. Imagine each door has a a, a touch screen, a computer screen where you can scroll through thousands of pieces of information about what's on the other side of the door. And there's a thousand interviews and 500 of the people say, here's why you should go through this door. And 500 other people say why you should not go through this door. And I imagine someone spending six months or a year deciding which of the 25 doors to go through. And then finally you muster up the boldness or the courage that or your parents make you choose one. (laughs) And you open the door and you walk through and you close it. And when you turn around and look, all 25 doors led to that same room. Yeah. And you think, why did I agonize over choosing the right one? So true.
1: And that goes to show something else that you talk about a lot, which is the job or the career or the college that we choose isn't going to bring purpose to us. It's what we bring to it. Yes. We walk into that room, and all 25 doors brought us to the same spot. And if we were expecting it to bring us something magical, it didn't. Mm. And none of those other 24 doors would have brought it. Exact none none of the doors are magical. None of them,
0: yeah. As a matter of fact, what's inside of the room on the, other, on the other side of the door is not magical. If there's anything magical, it's the quality of the character of the person walking through the door. Yeah. Our character is the is the strongest common denominator of everything that we do. Yeah. And it's so interesting to watch to watch people struggle and agonize, agonize over the decisions we make when really if we are simply every day growing as a person hmm. to become the person we should be, for instance, hmm. develop a work ethic. Yeah. If a person does not have a work ethic, there is no right door for them to walk through. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Yeah. But imagine if a person has a work ethic, how many jobs will work for that person? It's a countless number. Yeah. So I want to get into a topic with you. Very interesting to hear you talk about this. You have spent many years, you're 22 years old right now, but you have spent many years teaching kids around what, five or six years old? How many years have you done that? 10 years. 10 years. And what age of kids? Five, six, and seven years old. So I want to talk about, for the remainder of this podcast, how to change a child's life how to change their thinking. From your experience, you particularly tell a story that's so interesting to me from all the years you worked with those kids and how to change kids. Tell us your story.
1: Yeah, so I work with five, six, and seven-year-olds in uh, pretty large quantities. And if you know anything about kids, you know there can be a lot that goes with that. And so Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. First couple of years, we're just trying to swim, learn from everyone that I could. But it's amazing. Over the years, there's one thing that I saw over and over and over again. And by my last few years, it was the biggest thing that I wanted to teach kids. And it was really, really simple. It's something that you teach as well. I taught it a little bit differently. But uh, you say it like this, that life is not about you. And I remember you know, having kids in the classroom. And maybe they throw a tantrum because they're not the one that got picked for the game or something doesn't go their way, or they want something, can't have it, or maybe a toy's already being used, whatever it is, you know, five, six, seven-year-old problems and big deals in, the, in that time, I would pull them aside and just with all the love I could just to explain to them, this classroom is not about you. This game is not about you. Uh, these stories that we tell, they're not about you. And it, it wasn't something, I, it was amazing to see their faces as I, as I told them that, It wasn't that they were sad to hear that. It was almost just like a learning thing. And I had to teach this over and over again. But what was so amazing is that when it finally clicked, everything in their behavior changed. The child that I would have to wrangle in week in, week out, turned from the kid that would throw a tantrum to the kid that would find a child that's having a hard time coming in the classroom because it's their first time. They would seek them out and say, hey, you can play with me. Or they would go from the kid who would ruin the game for everyone else if they couldn't play to the kid that... Wanted to facilitate it so someone else could play. Everything changed. And having conversations with parents, it it was interesting because the same thing happened at their school. At home, they realized life's not about me. I have something to give. And so in all of my years, that's something that I encouraged everyone who I worked with to help the kids understand. Is that life isn't about you. And so it, it was really incredible to watch.
0: That That is, that's, uh, I almost said unbelievable. I only say unbelievable because it excites me. The fact is it's very believable. We talk about this principle in the mastermind. There's this core understanding that until a human comes to this understanding, life just doesn't work. Hmm. And it's the character quality of humility, which very simply put, is life is not about me. Mm-hmm. When I walk into any room in my life, if my perspective is that life is about me, life simply doesn't work. Yep. But I can walk into the same rooms with the same situations or hardships, and my perspective is that life's not about me, then I am now living in a way that works. Yeah. It's not something that it doesn't make sense to our normal human instinct because our normal human instinct is I need life to work for me. And my instinct is that for life to work for me, it must be about me. Mm. I've got to take care of me, look out for me, make sure I am first in line, make sure people are giving me what I want them to give me. Right. But actually, it's a futile attempt at success in life, hmm. we tell parents on a regular basis in workshops and trainings and consultations we do with parents. We continually tell them, "Listen, parenting is daunting. There can be a million things we feel like we have to teach our kids, but we can't do it. We just can't. you can only teach your kids so many things." We encourage parents that when you train them in character. You trained them in everything. And maybe the most core element of character that you can simply teach your child is humility. Because when your child, every, every little dose of humility that they gain will bring multiplied difference in how they live their life. Now, let me, let's talk about how we help our child develop humility. Number 1 they see it in our life. When they see mm. their parents doing humble things. Cuz humility is not something you don't tell someone, "Hey, you need to be humble, young man." That doesn't it just doesn't work. Right. It just does not work. So we live out humility as parents. So that means that that we serve. We give we do things to look out for other people because our kids, they watch our life and they learn from our life. If there's anything I've learned over the years from working with literally thousands of students and, and teaching in classrooms for so many years, you look at kids, you look into their eyes, you you listen to how they think. You watch how they function with other people. And whenever I came across students that really just had a great perspective on life. I'm talking about a student. I can think of students in my mind right now. Students that that were very popular, yet popularity didn't mean anything to them. Yeah, They were successful because their their parents were well off financially or they were a good athlete, but that didn't matter to them. It didn't go to their head. They had this kind of purposeful way of looking at life, and i would look at these students 14 15 16 years old and wonder what is the difference in them
1: mm.
0: because the kid right next to them is a kid who has the same type of environment but when when that student walks down the hall they walk with straight legs so that they don't cause a crease to happen in one of their brand new shoes mm. Because they care about silly things. Yeah. So whenever I came across one of these students that really had this great perspective on life, I would always interview the family. And this may be the single greatest piece of advice I could ever give a parent is to tell this story. But when I talked to these families, this reoccurring theme came up every time. Hmm. A family would say something like this. Once a month as a family, we go to a horse farm and help disabled children ride ponies. Wow. Or once a week as a family, we go go to the bridge. There's this bridge in our city where homeless people are, and we take blankets and we help bring them food. You see, when kids see things like that, that works on the character trait of humility. Hmm. And when humility is cultivated, it changes how they look at their entire life. They begin to walk into the rooms of their life, not saying, what should you do for me? But they look at their life and they walk in the room and they say, what can I do for someone in this room? Humility is such a, it's a word that's so commonly used, but its power cannot be overlooked. Its power cannot be overstated. Humility is like the hinges on a giant door, that because those hinges are attached to the door, the door can swing open and open up your life to a whole new world. As parents, if you're listening, and there's so many dreams you have for your kids, and you see struggles your your kids have, and you can have so many fears about them. I just want to encourage you that if you train them in character, you train them for everything, and probably the greatest character trait you could ever teach them, lead them in humility, but do it by how you live your life and and help them understand it by the experiences you lead them through, like volunteering.
1: Mm.
0: I'll finish with one example of, of how I would teach humility and understanding of it to young people. And you can use this with your kids. I would say something like this in the classroom. There's two kinds of people in the world. And students could chime in and give any kind of answer they want to give. And I would say person number one is a person that's looking for a bright light to stand under. And they want to say to the world, here I am, look at me. Serve me, love me, want me, need me, choose me. Hmm. This is the natural instinct in our human nature. This person wakes up every day and they look at the world and say, "What? what should the world give me today?" You know, although this in, this instinct is so normal to have, it simply doesn't work. It backfires because ultimately. In this world, it's a cruel reality that people aren't going to walk around looking for ways to want us or need us or use us or choose us. Mm-hmm. And if our child looks at life that way, their attempts at success will be futile. But then there's person number two. Person number two is the kind of person that they realizes there's a light on the inside of them. And they get to shine it on other people. Wow. And they wake up every day and they don't say, what does the world have to give me today? They wake up every day and say, what do I have to give the world? Wow. That's powerful. I completely understand the human instinct of wanting to walk into a room and have people respond to you in a way to say, I want you, I need you, I choose you. I totally get that. But the only way we end up with that is if we're the kind of person that walks into the room and simply says, I want to shine my light on you today. Yep. And I tell you, as satisfying as it sounds to be chosen and wanted and needed by other people, I don't believe there's anything more satisfying as a human being than to realize There's something on the inside of me that can be a gift to people outside of me. Wow. And it's powerful. I I cannot encourage parents anymore. I could not encourage you anymore. There's a long list of things you feel like your child needs to be good at. Help them grow in character and keep it really simple. Just work on humility. Display it in how you live your life. And help them understand it by the experiences you help them to have. I wanna encourage you with that. My friends, before we finish, let me just say if you're a parent out there listening to this, you're not in control of the results of your child's life. It might feel better if I told you there's a way you could control it, but we can't. Our role as parents is to nurture and to feed our kids. Our role is not to control them, but to empower them. If your child becomes like child number two, that realizes there's something in them that can help people outside of them, it will forever change how they look at life. Andrew, thank you for telling your story. Is there any, anything you wanna to attach to the end of this before we say goodbye to the listeners?
1: Only one thing that I would share and something I told all the, told all the parents of the kids that I served, if they ever asked, I, I oftentimes got parents ask me questions of how they thought they were doing or different things, which was funny because I'm a, you know, 22 year old <laughs> without any kids. But there's one thing that I told them and I believe it's so, so true is your kids will not one day grow up and be angry at you because you were not a perfect parent. What they will do is look back and thank you for loving them even when they were not perfect.
0: And as a parent, it can be that simple. Yeah, that's really good. I love it. Friends, thank you for joining us today on the My Life Platform Podcast. If you or someone that you you know is interested in the Purpose Mastermind, you can go to markdelaney.me. We have classes for young people. Most of these are online, although I am available to come to businesses and and groups to do this in person. Um, We have these groups for couples. We have them for men and for uh, women. Uh, we would love to see one of these groups. Until next time, thanks for listening to the My Life Platform Podcast.